Conception and Birth, a Crash Course in Vulnerability. I became pregnant in the old-fashioned way. I never believed that I would really become pregnant, because the thought of having an entire person grow inside your body is such a bizarre idea that only lunatics or religious fanatics would take for granted the fact that it might actually happen. And then there is the matter of getting the baby out, which is something no normal person wants to think about. I was 30 when I became pregnant for the first time. Before this pregnancy, I had not experienced one maternal twinge. When my friends would bring their infants in little carrying baskets to dinner parties, I felt sorry for them, the parents, because the whole thing seemed like so much trouble. Oh, yes, I would chirp with false enthusiasm when asked if I would like to hold one of these tiny babies. But I was just being polite or trying to do the normal appearing thing. I always sat down before allowing anyone to hand me a baby because I'm something of a klutz, and I knew that if anyone was going to drop a baby, it would be me. To say that I was not maternal is an understatement of vast proportion. I enjoyed adult company, and my idea of a good time did not include hanging out with babies who were unable to dress themselves, use the toilet, or make interesting conversation. By contrast, my husband, Steve, truly loved babies and never worried about dropping them. We always planned to have children, but not on my part out of any heartfelt desire. I just thought that having children was an important life experience I shouldn't miss out on, any more than I wanted to miss out on live concerts or traveling through Europe. Although I thought having children seemed like the thing to do, I put it off as long as I reasonably could. As soon as I got the news that I was pregnant, however, I was bursting with self-importance and pride. I wanted to grab strangers in the supermarket and say, hey, I may look like a regular person, but I'm pregnant, you know. The fact that other women had done this before me didn't make it feel any less like a miraculous personal achievement. My confidence inflated even more when I sailed through my first trimester without a flicker of nausea or discomfort. I took credit for the fact that things were moving along so swimmingly, and I concluded that this was a good sign that maybe I was suited to motherhood after all. But at the beginning of my second trimester, I began spotting, then bleeding. My doctor asked if I wanted to consider having an abortion because the baby's risk of brain damage was significant. Sometimes I wouldn't bleed at all, and I'd be filled with hope and sometimes I'd really bleed and think that I, or the baby, was dying. I felt panic-stricken, filled with a mixture of terror for our dual survival, and of utter humiliation at the prospect of ruining someone's expensive couch. I consulted with an expert at the University of Kansas Medical Center, then transferred to the best obstetrician in Topeka, one with outstanding diagnostic skills who did not think my baby would be brain-damaged. Basically, the whole thing was a gamble. We didn't know whether enough of the placenta would stay attached because it had become implanted too low and was shearing off as the pregnancy progressed. There is probably a more medically accurate way to describe what was happening, but this is how I understood my situation at the time. I had a healthy fetus in utero, and I thought that the medical profession, as advanced as it was, should know how to make a placenta stay put. It seemed like a minor technicality that needn't have life-or-death consequences. Containing my anxiety was not easy. 
When I was five months pregnant, Steve and I were watching a late-night adventure story about a group of people trapped in the elevator of a high-rise building. The bad guy, lurking above them in the elevator shaft, was severing the steel cables that held the cabin. Panic spread among the occupants as they swung about, their lives now hanging by a thread. What a stupid, boring plot, I thought. Seconds later, I felt as if I couldn't breathe. I told Steve I was about to faint, or I was having a heart attack, or I was simply going to die. Call the doctor at home, I commanded my frightened husband. Wake him up. It sounds like you're hyperventilating, doesn't it? The doctor said when I had composed myself enough to describe my symptoms. I should have put my head in a paper bag. Now that it was determined that I would live, I was embarrassed that we had awakened him at midnight. Two psychologists failing to recognize the ordinary symptoms of anxiety.